Before we start off this episode, uh, we just wanted to give a bit of a shout out here at Voice of the Force podcast. Um, I'm sure as everyone's aware, there you know with the current pandemic with COVID going around, it's uh, it's quite a serious issue. And from all of us here at Voice of the Force, we just want to uh, wish everyone well. Hope you're all safe and sound during this time. And uh, just remember to do your utmost to make sure that you're protected and you don't end up, you know, channeling the dark side and looking like Palpatine or breathing like Vader or anything like that. Um, but yeah, just uh, stay safe and may the Force be with you. And with that being said, let's get into the podcast. Welcome to the Voice of the Force podcast, Temple Archives Movies, The Rise of Skywalker. My name is Noma, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ed and Dan. How's it going, guys? hey Hey, it's going well. Nice. And today, we're also joined by our special guest. Returning is Vanessa Gamble. Hey, everyone. I'm excited to be here. Good to have you. Yeah. Uh, so... Real quick, what our podcast is about, we are all about Star Wars canon, and we're going to be summarizing, in this case, the movie uh, a little bit, or just going through the points, and we'll talk about how it relates to Legends and canon, pretty uh, straightforward. We'll have a discussion about what we thought about the movie, and uh, yeah. So we've got a little bit of a new format, uh, as you guys have probably seen. We're going to be switching up our books, comics, and movies into separate podcasts, and we'll be releasing those separately and hopefully bi-weekly. And, uh, yeah, so before we get into this, uh, Dan, do you want to go over how you can find us? Yeah, we have quite a few different venues that you can find us through uh, the internet. You can go to our website at www.voiceoftheforce.com, and there you'll find a bunch of things. You'll see every episode that we posted so far, and they're um, uh, divided into different categories for Temple Archives, discussion, and all that kind of stuff. We also have um, a shop on there as well. If you're looking for a Voice of the Force t-shirt, uh, you can find us uh, or email us at voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. Again, that's voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at voiceforcepod. And uh, if you look there and see our episode tweets, you can retweet those. And that will help us kind of extend our listener base so more people can see it and participate in Star Wars discussion with us. Uh, you can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash voice force pod as well you can listen rate review and subscribe to the podcast on apple Podcasts, google podcasts iHeartRadio, soundcloud stitcher spotify TuneIn, overcast pocket cast and podbean reviewing the podcast with five stars and a nice little comment helps with our visibility of the podcast so more people can find us um and don't forget to subscribe for free so then you can get the latest episode as soon as it releases on your phone or mobile device and uh, remember to listen to the outro to find out what we're going to be covering in our next episode. Awesome. Before we get into the discussion, I mean, we usually go over this, our little uh, Star Wars, public Star Wars announcement. It's going to be a lot easier for this one because, you know, it's a movie. But we will be hitting the novelization stuff as well. So, as always, you know, we say uh, if you can support the official release, if you do like the this kind of stuff that they put out, you know, these novelizations, um, the best way to show disney that we want more of this kind of stuff is just support it you know uh and we got there's a whole bunch of ways to get it physical digital um yeah it's available all over the place so uh that's our little spiel and uh with that being said 
let's jump into this movie discussion. What did you guys think of the finale of this new trilogy? Where do I begin? I, <laughs> I um, overall try to approach Star Wars with the mindset that I'm just so grateful that we even have it and that I'm just going to be grateful for whatever I get. However, um, I had planned, uh, after seeing The Force Awakens, I, I mean, Sure, it was a lot of the same that we'd seen. It seemed like it was just a kind of a rehashing of like the original trilogy, in in a, in a new form. But I was okay with it because, like you know, it brought both the new generation and the old generation together. But then I was hoping that the new stuff would be uh, it would be new, kind of carrying off of it. And then Last Jedi was relatively new, though it was kind of unnecessary new. And then mm. the, and now we get to the Rise of Skywalker. And I had read some of the books. I had like, I had figured out the plot, in my opinion. I thought that Ray was going to be Luke's daughter. It didn't turn out that way. Um, I had kind of a similar idea, it turned out. But um, I, it just, honestly, if it was how I felt, felt about the movie overall, it was good. Um, and it had some good, some good solid parts to it. However, as a finale for the Skywalker saga as like the end of a trilogy, it didn't feel like an end. It wasn't necessarily super satisfying for me. I loved it, but like there's so many unanswered questions that, mm. uh, and then, and then the ending where she announced her last name and you're just like, I thought this was supposed to be the end of the Skywalker saga, the last Skywalker, like what's happening. Cause mm. I don't get this right now. And so if I know, like, that's why I'm, like, looking for, I was really looking for a celebration. I'm like, if I know that there's going to be more of Ray's story, I'll be okay with this. If this is it, I'm not necessarily going to be 100% happy, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, because you kind of hope that the main character has a, a little bit more of a fulfilling kind of story. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's... Also, it just came out of nowhere. Like, oh, surprise, mm-hmm. Palpatine's back. And I'm just like, wait, what? Uh-huh. Oh, like, yeah. When did this happen? And I'm sure, like, maybe the novelization flushed it out a bit, but it just kind of felt lazy. Like, oh, surprise, he's back. He, oh, he yeah. Never died. And and there's, there's something... So <laughs> yesterday, uh, Dan asked me to make notes on the plot, uh, just in case we, we forgot about anything. Um... And apparently that meant that my plan was uh, get a lot more drunk than I thought I was going to get and watch Rise of Skywalker. So my notes kind of came out really weird. Um, but one thing that that uh, drunk me noticed a lot is kind of like what you were, were talking about, which is that there's so many surprises that they try to pull off, but nothing ever happens with them. Like, oh, my God, Chewie's dead. Oop, uh, never mind. Oh, my God, Zora Bliss and Babu Freak. Oh, the whole Kajimi, everyone's dead, except they're not. Hey guys, remember when the Knights of Ren weren't gonna be this movie's Captain Phasma? Oops, they were. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it's just yes, yeah, this this weird like 
it's like you're trying to get them hyped up for an entire trilogy, but then you just ha- you realize halfway through, oh, whoops, this is the last movie. We need to tie this all up now. Yeah. And it's yeah, it's this it's such a it's so it's this weird kind of like spastic feeling that the movie gets because it's trying to pull all this stuff. It, it feels and I, I can see why it happened because it feels like there, it's two movies crammed into one because it kind of is like my my whole view of uh, feeling towards the Last Jedi is that Last Jedi would have been a fine Star Wars spinoff or it would have been a fine movie that's a prequel to Episode Eight, but as Episode Eight it just adds so little into the story um, that it, it just leaves this kind of howling void, right? Um, and I'm, that's a whole other topic that we could get into. But at the end of the day, I feel like that lays... Now Now that Rian Johnson's come out and said more of the stuff, like the fact that he had no plans for anything in his movie to connect to episode nine, or that he wasn't really interested in, in making a movie in the star Wars universe. I feel like those are the reasons why then episode nine becomes this huge cluster of all this stuff having to happen. Um, sorry. Yeah. Hmm? What? what? Oh yeah. Yeah. No, there were, there were two interviews that came out. Uh, I can see if I can find them again, but yeah, one of them was that he, I guess he admitted that that he wasn't really interested in making a Star Wars a, a story set in the Star Wars universe. Then what? Yeah, it's a weird thing. And then the other one was that he he just made a movie that he wanted to make, and then just didn't really think about what would have to happen in Episode Nine. But it's a that trip. one I believe more. I think I mean, he's a nerd. I kind of believe it. But there are there there are one clips I've seen where he's just like laughing and like. Just like creating this out like outlandish, I, I kind of can see that. Ryan Johnson, I I appreciate and like, but like mm. it kind of makes sense in that aspect that 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 he just wanted to do something his own way. And whereas J- Abrams has always been a very big story guy, he mm-hmm. creates plots and intricate plots and like has everything kind of connect in a way. And he had this like the all these like like. Uh, what he's planning for. And I think that's why this one probably felt so disjointed because like everything that he had planned had gone awry. Um, mm-hmm. that, that, that would make sense. And did you see that article where um, there's like, there was like another the- theatrical version of JJ, uh, uh, JJ Abrams cut where a lot mm-hmm. of the things that would have made a lot more sense were cut out because they wanted to, to do a different version. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what people are saying, that there's an, an, an edited, that this is the edited version. Yeah. Yeah, and, and uh, some of the things that, that I've heard from that one as well kind of make a lot more sense why something in the movie happened. Like, the one that everyone tore to pieces is when they're fighting the jet troopers, oh, they fly now? And yeah, I'd heard that that was like a studio decision, that they wanted that, in, they needed that line in there. Which at first sounds kind of like, oh, that's such a small thing for them to obsess over. But then from my perspective where I saw how many times that kiss scene was taken out of the movie and put back in and taken out of the movie and put back in, it suddenly makes a lot more sense to me. Where it's like, yeah, I know I could see them interfering with stuff that seems that small. Um and yeah, that's a whole that's a whole other thing where it's. I think from I when I watched the movie again last night, I had something because what's been bugging me about 
Um, not as Force Awakens was fine, um, but with the main movies after that, where it had this kind of weird disjointed feeling, and it kept bugging me because I was like, I, you know, the Marvel movies don't feel like this at all. And what I kind of the idea that kind of came to me yesterday was that it feels like I'm watching the DC extended like uh, movie yeah. universe. Again. Yeah, kind of. Where they're just like, kind of like, we'll figure it out as we go, rather than Exa- like yeah. having a plot like that will mm-hmm. solve everything. Like, there's exactly. Are you guys for Raylo or against Raylo? Does it make sense to you? <laughs> Does it not make sense to you? I wasn't yeah. for it for the longest time. After the kiss scene, I'm like, fine, it's canon now. I accept it, sure. Because no. now he's been solo. No. Because <laughs> for me, everyone was saying Raylo. Uh, low. I'm like. Kylo Ren's a statistic asshole. I don't know why any of you would want her to be with him because he literally tortured her in the first movie. But now that mm-hmm. he's redeemed himself as Ben, I guess. But he's also like, what, 15 years older than her? Not that that's a thing, but I'm like, people forget oh, yeah. about that. He's like, she was like, what, four when the Jedi, he destroyed the Jedi Order and I think he was like 19? man yeah that's a good point well actually so, so something i'd i'd an article i'd read which seemed like kind of a, a humorous uh pullback and dan maybe you can uh confirm this for me was that apparently in the novelization they very clearly spell out like v- as hard as they can that it's supposed to be a mutual kiss it's not like a love kiss yes it's 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 not it's like more of like um Thank God we're alive. Oh, uh, what do you? Yeah, it's, it's just like we we did it kind of thing, like a, ce- a kiss and celebration almost. You know, like what? yeah, it, it wasn't re- it wasn't really like a a kiss of love and a, like that kind of thing. It was more like a from what I remember, well, it was more Make just it like a. a, a kiss. Mm-hmm. I mean, they did like they did have him like bring her back from the end, like from her death and, uh, and whatnot. Which which there's so much in the novel that really adds to this movie. And like, like some of the things you get questions of when you left the theaters the first time, or maybe even watching it now um, at home, the novel really does a good job of like just covering all the small little tiny pieces of information that go behind why people did certain things or why certain things were a certain way. And that really made the movie uh, a little a little bit more better in my opinion. And uh, mm-hmm. there's certain things like the kiss scene at the end where they kind of, I guess, retcon it a little bit in the in the novelization because um, it was misinterpreted by fans, I guess. Um, no, I mean, really. like you interpret it how you do. That's how, what art is, and movie is a form of art, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, to each person, they can interpret it to whatever they want. So, if they interpret it as a romantic kiss, then that's how they interpret it, such as you know the Raylos of the internet and whatnot. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It was it was interesting. I know. A big movement before this movie came out was the Ben Demption of Ben's Redemption um, arc, and like I guess this movie did give you that for sure, and uh, yeah. it kind of goes into that a little bit too, which is kind of cool. And I kind of uh, like um, Ben or uh, Kylo forever, like after his redemption, so to speak. That like he kind of mimics um, Han Solo in a way, like the shrug and his cockiness, and like and mm-hmm. that that was fun to see. Yeah, um, like when he gets when he's fighting the Knights of Ren. Exactly, and he's like shrugging, like, "Oh, here we go." Yeah, that was that was really good. That was definitely a like a solo moment, a Ben solo moment. Yeah, I mean, it's like it goes to show how man, like how Adam Driver is a really good actor, and if he gets like good moments, 
Yeah. I mean, he 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 got he what didn't he get an Emmy for um the the what was it the Marriage Story? Or yeah. Yeah, oh, I think he did. Um, yeah. My my dad was watching that with my mom, the Marriage Story or whatever it's called. Yeah. And he's like, I just can't unsee Kylo Ren. <laughs> it's just <laughs> Kylo Ren. Oh, I watched him in Girls, so like imagine how I felt like when I saw him in like as as uh, this as Kylo Ren. I'm just like, um, trying to get past him not saying the f word. <laughs> and... Yeah. Yeah. Um, after. Star uh, Star Wars was the first thing I saw him in, but then Same. the next thing I saw him in was Black Klansman. Oh, and that is a <laughs> radical shift where I'm going like, this is weird. Yeah, you know? <laughs> he's been mine. He was marine. He's got he's seen some stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now the one thing I just wanted to say was for this movie, just kind of going from the beginning again, um, the Rise of Skywalker movie. When I saw it in the theaters with Ed and Noma, when I was sitting there like. I know Ed and Noma can like attest to this is like I'm looking at them like every five minutes being like what the hell is happening and Me at the too. beginning of the movie the movie does so many like jump cuts for like a first time okay. watch and it like it mm. does this that and the other he's on Mustafar and then he's over here and then he goes to Exegol and then he sees Palpatine and then it goes back to the resistance where you see you know Poe Finn and you know, the big glob guy on the ship that are trying to, like, get plans and take it back to the Resistance. And, like, it just so much is happening that they it's almost like they crammed, like, half a movie into the first 20 minutes of the movie. I don't know if you guys felt the same way at the beginning. I did. I kind of felt, like, my heart sink when I saw that. I'm just sitting here and I'm just like, what is this? Like, because we ended up, what? So last Jedi, we ended up them fleeing. Like, like they destroyed one ship. Yip, yippee-doo and then they get to a planet and somehow they're safe um that aside then all of a sudden so that like they have all these like this like this plot like we just we're just ignoring the fact that like they somehow survived and didn't get didn't get, didn't get chased by the first order and now mm. they're like what even more resistancy than before because like i i it, it just it, it just left a huge gap um and then like they and they they ignored a lot of different stuff. I but I I sat there and I was like it, and I remember reading a review and like one of my friends was like laughing about it, saying how untrue it was. But for me, it it hit home. It kind of felt like a bot, like a like a like a computer <laughs> program bot wrote yeah. a script. In <laughs> certain parts. Yeah, and there there's a whole. I mean, it's the same kind of like the uh, the DC problem that I feel like where it's the whole universe i don't understand the stakes in it still at the end of this i still don't understand like how big the first order ever was yeah or yeah how like that way and i guess they yeah. try to that way with palpatine like he created it Ooh, mm -hmm. and i'm just like with what army how yeah. Oh, yeah. had like a factory of people or something what like where did he get these resources it explains it in the novelization <laughs> i'm not even joking all right but... i'm like going back and like 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 i guess they do but i'm going back and like thinking about like what is canon like how in like the clone wars and like how he created um like what 20 years of work and even before that he created the clone army to, like, in Order 66 to, to destroy the Jedi and create this empire. It was like decades in the of, of work. Like probably even more. And then all of a sudden like he dies and then like and like what? 
not even like probably I think it's another 20 years later he's like I have even a more powerful army <laughs> the final like, order is a here see cause when you have like connotations a big thing right so when you have the imperial remnant you can kind of understand the scale just from the name something where it's just like you know they saw stuff laying around so we, we just, we're doing cleanup duty is what mm. that whole last bit of war felt like or sounded like with the first order you hear something like oh okay so it's a whole new thing okay and like yeah with no one's like okay so what are the stakes with this one? Oh, well, we don't we don't actually know so you know what throw in and there there we go oh now it's a big thing because he's there so you gotta beat him now and don't worry about the after because it feels like along with the 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 marvel or dc thing feels like they just took a bunch of ideas, threw them at the wall, and then selected all the ones that made no sense. And we're like, yeah, we'll roll with these. We'll roll and with it. And then we'll throw the Joker in there, and then everybody will be happy because it's exactly. like a really cool thing. And yeah. then realizing after the fact of when the movie is like, oh, yeah, so that other that idea might have been actually pretty good. And oh, that explanation we should have put in. Yeah, yeah. You know what? What we'll do? Novelization. Yeah, and the novelization. Like really, in the novelization, in the novel, that 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 shouldn't happen. No, it should be in the movie as much as possible, and I think that's Mm -hmm. what J.J. Abrams had in mind until he saw the final cut for the first time after it was done. And there are some things in it, like I don't know if you guys want me to go into some of the novelization stuff now, and we can kind of talk through those points because it goes through kind of chronologically what happens in the movie. Um, but like for for instance, Leia's relationships with Luke and Ray, um, Mm -hmm. like. During this whole story, um, Rey is doing her uh, Jedi training, and it really goes into like the more in depth of what Leia has done for Rey, and um, they have a little bit more uh, dialogue with each other, uh, apart from you know like the three lines that Leia has with Rey that are like when I watched the movie and I saw those scenes, I'm like I'm really glad they kept Carrie Fisher in, but at the same time the lines that they used for her, they they had to work with that. But they were really just like lines that you could use in almost any scene. I don't know if you guys felt the yeah. same way. But in, in the yeah. novelization, they're able to expand upon that in a nice way where they had those lines in there. But there was a conversation that happened after, you know, the conversation they had in the movie. Like immediately mm-hmm. following the lines that they say to each other, there's a little conversation that happens there. And then it kind of goes forward from there. Um, the one thing with Luke and Leia is like through the whole time... Leia's in this novel in the movie. Um, Luke, the Force Ghost of Luke, is basically saying like, "Leia, you know what to do. Do it. You know, you, it's your time to do this. You need to do this." And he's he's referencing <laughs> the fact that you know she needs to turn Ben and let go because um, in the novelization they also talk about the toll that the um, kerfuffle on the ship when she goes like um, Force pull Leia on the ship type thing what that had on her body like she's basically not ever going to fully recover from it and she's really struggling to yeah like she's struggling to stay alive basically like she's really weak and that's why in the rise of skywalker you know when she's like walking around she's like holding on to stuff and and moving around um so that was really interesting to see um those kind of a little bit more um fleshed out scenes in it but i really want to know though the force healing thing. When did that become a thing? Because, <laughs> and, and like, so that, that was a common thing that everybody can do, and their like everybody and their mom can do. 
then why the heck did Anakin go batshit if everybody oh, can yeah. force heal? <laughs> the well, you're oh, playing the, the old Republic right now, yeah? Uh, Noma? Mm. Have you been to Voss yet? No, not yet. Oh, okay. So, oh, is that a whole thing there? You can revisit Vanessa's question again. Or that that means the same shit, what am I saying? <laughs> um, but yeah, just, just look into the question when after you do that planet. Okay. Like, force, force heal for me, like, the amount of memes that I've seen based off of force healing is just ridiculous. Like, some of my favorites are, like, uh, when Obi-Wan's holding Qui-Gon and going, Master, you can't die, and Qui-Gon just goes, no, it's fine, force heal me, and I'll, I'll <laughs> get back up. <laughs> He goes, oh, yeah, that's right. Um, and then there's um, the Anakin um, when Mace Windu's trying to kill Palpatine. And he goes, no, I need him. And Mace Windu just goes, like, no, you don't. We can force heal Padme. And he goes, oh, yeah. And Palpatine just goes, oh, shit. And then just cuts the credits. <laughs> and, like, it, it just, like and traditionally, from what I understood, is that force healing was a dark side trait. And so... It just, and, and, and that the reason that Padme died in the first place was because Palpatine had mastered that trait and he was draining the life force from Padme to Anakin so that he would survive. That's never been confirmed except in like the, the rise of uh, Vader, that video game where he was literally draining the life force of the planet to kind of re restore Padme from her grave. But, uh, spoiler alert, but still. <laughs> yeah, it's, like I'm like, that's just lazy Disney writing right there. Yeah, because at, at first, I was, like, when I first saw it, but that it wasn't even from Rise of Skywalker, from The Mandalorian. Um, when I first saw it in that, I was like, oh, okay, you know, I can get, like, you know, it's always he, been a video game. He's, like, super yeah. powerful. He's, he's one with the Force. He's probably created by the Force, for all we know. But then just, like, suddenly she reads a couple books. And, like, fine, even Rey. Even Rey being able to do the Force. Because she's gotten those texts that, like, mm. nobody else has seen. So she could finally, like, do Force healing. But then all of a sudden... Ben can do it just because he saw her do it once. Oh, that's what? that's one of my that's one of my favorite parts of the movie. Sarcastically, is like I I called it uh, Ray and Kylo play hot potato resurrection, where it's just like <laughs> oh, you're fine. Now I'm fine. No, you get to live. I get yeah. to live. No, you get to live. Yeah, and then yeah, and then uh, Kylo calls no touchbacks and dies. And I was like, I, I all right. <laughs> <laughs> they do. I was gonna ask you about that because I'm like, when did for they were that was the question. Like, when did force healing become a common thing? Yeah, it's it's interesting. I will explain that in a little bit. Um, <laughs> anybody else have any comments on Leia? Yeah, I mean, I thought they they did well with what they had. Yeah, basically. I think they they had a workaround footage that they already had and already shot. Mm. Um, remember they she passed away right after the release of Episode Eight. Yeah. So yeah. like they had no yeah. new footage of her. For this movie they just had, and I remember um, Daisy in an interview said like that hug scene was completely different, and that Carrie had whispered to her, "This is the longest fucking hug ever." <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. And so she's just like, "That's like that's, Carrie that's sure. just one hundred percent Carrie." So what was supposed to be an emotional scene is kind of like kind of shrouded in humor and all this other stuff. And I'm just like, you know what? Like I miss her so much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's just it's just one of those things where like with uh, jumping back to the force healing, where it's like, yeah, I, I always accept it in video games and everything. Like, yeah, of course, you know, it's a mechanic. You need this in, makes the game better. But yeah, when you start throwing in just like kind of 
no limitations, um, then and that the that that's such a big part of the movie too is this weird like no limitations thing. Like I, Dan, I, I was, yeah, like I, I was talking with Dan uh, earlier about it, and he was uh, trying to explain how it works in the novelization, but like the weird red space that Kylo Ren has to fly through, and then Ray, and it's just like oh, oh it's, it's, it's because they're like what dyads. Yeah, yeah, with their like wayfinder, like that weird force, red like human embodiment of the force, or something like that. Yeah, whatever weird like red cancer wave thing it is, and it's like oh, you know, it's super hard for starfighters to get through unless they have the wayfinder. And I'm like that, cool. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like sure, fine, you can do that. How are the capital ships getting through? I don't understand. How is the entire Sith fleet gonna leave? if, you know, starfighters are, like, barely getting through this tangle, um, can you hyperspace through it? Because if you can hyperspace through it, why do you even need the waystone to get through it? But if not, how is, like, I, I even question how they even show the scene where uh, Corellian Corvette's going through it. Yeah. And I was like, I, well, that's that's a little gigantic. I don't know how, how that's happening. There. And then yeah. also, when did light speed jumping become a thing? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Episode 9. Ten minutes in. You guys remember in the extended universe how they had that whole... They had, like, all these speeches about how you can't hyperspace from within a planet because you'll destroy the planet if you do? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) But now you can do it in between city skyscrapers. Yeah, but with our new and improved... I mean, they did did that with Rogue One, too, when they were getting off of Jeddah. Yeah, but Jeddah was being destroyed as it happened. Kaputs anyway. I mean, you can... I feel like once you're, like, in, like, the, like near the like the exit of the planet you can do it but mm. if you did it right from there i feel like there'd be too much resistance yeah mm-hmm. all right let's continue on to the eye of webbish um, oh yeah we're just talking about is that the red red weird space no the eye of webbish is bog is actually the thing that's on mustafar so if you remember the art from the uh rise of skywalker there was a an art of a thing like a creature in a bog on Mustafar, and it basically was like this big round thing on the bottom and this like baby thing on top of its head and like there are two symbiotic creatures that are attached to each other and they couldn't live apart from each other if they did they would die um so basically the eye of webbish i don't know if that's its name or the location or something uh but basically this creature was the guardian of the um the sith wayfinder for vader and it was talking to kylo ren and saying I'm at, I'm here, like, you would expect, did you expect no one to guard this, you know, this totem, basically, of, of Vader? Um, I'm here at the wishes of Lord Vader himself. Um, mm. So, it sounded like he was just, like, a very culty kind of creature that really fell into the, the cult that, you know, the Mustafarians did with Vader. Um, and so, basically, he's talking to Kylo Ren and kind of giving him the lowdown on Exegol. And then shows him where the Sith Wayfinder is. And that's where we cut to in the movie where he like opens the chest and then there's the Sith Wayfinder. Um, and then at the very end, okay. I, I believe, I can't, I'm pretty sure Kylo murders the thing at the very end um, <laughs> of that conversation. So it was, it was one of the deleted scenes that was taken out of the film. Um, and I remember a lot of people talking about it and like, oh, that would be so cool because it gives it a little bit more background and whatnot. Um, there's mm-hmm. another um, deleted scene that we we almost got, which was um, Vader's castle and like Kylo Ren going to it and like going around it a little bit, which mm-hmm. I think would have been a really interesting tie-in to Rogue One. But sadly, we didn't we didn't get that. 
but uh, the Eye of Webish is like the, I don't know, the... I'm looking at pictures. It's thing. pretty cool. Yeah, it's not too bad. Like, um, it's it's an interesting looking creature. A hammerhead shark and a spider. Yeah, it's it's really <laughs> weird. Um, but yeah, it's it's pretty cool. Um, apart from that, though, that's kind of everything that is changed on the novelization. Is just this creature on Mustafar. Um, anybody have any comments about that? Oh, okay. I'm Whether looking, yeah, I'm looking at it or, now. Like, would you want it in the movie or? Just leave it in the novelization. On a baby's head. <laughs> say, say that again. It's like a spider crab shark slug thing on a baby's head. Yes, that's exactly what it is. That's the it, exact kinda... species. <laughs> oh, I get it. Symbiotic. It it kind of reminds me of like an evil version of the Bendu from Rebels. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Like that's kind of the the idea I got from a little bit. Now that you say that, with this um, with this novelization description. Mm. Um, do I get into Palpatine and kind of a little bit more about his backstory? Did they officially sure. say he was Sith? Like he was a clone in the in the novel? Yeah. So in in the novel, they talk about they kind of go into his mind a little bit, which is really cool um, because you don't really get that in any of the movies or any of the novelizations that I can remember. Um, so in the novelization, they talk about the clone body that he sends his mind to um during episode six so you're right uh when he falls down that um um the what do you call it shaft the shaft um sure the shaft he basically is falling down there he's like okay i need to send my mind now so he had this like um backup plan basically that was to on exegol that his followers have basically created these clones of palpatine and there's a few different they talk about you know, over the years, they were cr- trying to create the perfect clone body for Palpatine. And the one interesting thing that they said was the the guy who is Rey's father is actually a failed clone from Palpatine. And what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh. Hold on. That's and so because I was, was sitting there wondering when did he do the nasty and he, who did he do it with? Right. Everybody's yeah. thinking about this. So then they said he was a failed clone in the fact that he was not force sensitive. So he was like a disgrace to Palpatine, and I guess they just like sent him out on his way. That's I think that's what I like. That's what I got from it. I might have read wrong or listened to it wrong, but that's that's what I got from the audible rendition. Um, the other thing was that the clone that he sends his mind into, the one that we see at the beginning of the movie, and at the end, um, it's an unfinished clone body because his like he wasn't expecting to send his mind this early to this clone body. So he had to do it. So he was in this vessel that was basically useless. Like he couldn't do anything in this body, which is why he's attached to that machine that's like pumping this liquid into him and trying to keep him alive and from decaying. Um, mm. And so the one thing that it does talk about is that he he kind of had an inkling that Vader was going to kill him or to turn on him eventually, just like he did. And it references again Plagueis and what Palpatine did with Plagueis. He's you know talking about finding the like the the secret to immortality, and that just before he was able to do what he wanted to do, Palpatine killed him, took his secrets, and then started his own master plan. So that's kind of like the lowdown on like the background of of Palpatine. Cool. Any anything Ed wants to bring into this? Because I know Ed's a huge Palpatine <laughs> fan. Oh, just about him. Yeah, Cause that like, clone looks. I'm sorry, Ray's father looks nothing like him. 
Mm -hmm. The whole children of the emperor thing. Yeah. Children of the emperor? What do you mean? Yeah. Where there's just a lot from this movie that I'm seeing is JJ just being like talking field or public people being like, listen, I'm just going to, I'm just going to take a bunch of these because they're ideas I need for the movie right now. And that's going to happen. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh, you, you mean there's a lot like of lines Valcorian. and a lot of things that happen in this. Exactly. Yeah, oh, from the Knights of the Old Republic games? Or it the, feels like the it Old Republic. Came, just, the Old Republic specifically. Just this one. Yeah, because it just feels like it ripped it all at this point. Where... I mean, a lot, and it, we, we knew that from the beginning that a lot of legends would, it's kind of a place of stasis, and then they kind of pick and choose what they want. Um, oh, not even that though. Like this is this is a video game, which baffled me even more so. Which was just like, all right, these ideas are out there and everything like that, and it's all been done. And then we're just like, we need something. So like him doing the whole like big EMP lightning blast near the end, kind of thing that shut down everything. Like that was that. Well, yeah, I'm just nitpicking at stories at this point. Um, but just, I wanted to see something yeah. like, oh, come on, like, yeah, like, show me something that's wild and outrageous and give me a good time, JJ, kind of thing. And I, it was just disappointing, personally, and for, like, as, as that perspective, um, it was disappointing just because, you know, I'm not seeing anything new or anything like that. So it really, it really turned my mind off from a lot in the story mm-hmm. that was going on. So there are parts mm-hmm. of it where I was just like, I could have fallen asleep. Just because I was just not entertained whatsoever. I was kind of bored. Yeah. For a lot mm. of it. So it wasn't that I didn't like it or not like it. It was just like I, I felt like I'd seen it already as I was seeing it. I feel like these these um this information that's from the novelization about Palpatine would have been good to know during the movie. Like that's like the one thing that mm. happened in the beginning is like, oh, Palpatine's already here and you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> He's already here? Like even in the opening crawl it talks about his message that was sent out, right? And for me, I was like, I was expecting him to come in like halfway through, three quarters of the way through the movie. It'd be a big reveal, like, oh, yeah. This is just like, oh, it's a matter of fact, he's here, everybody knows it. Like, that's the one thing that really threw me off. So I feel like if they added this, you know, as Kylo Ren found him and you kind of get like flashbacks or whatever of like things that ever happened, that would have been interesting to see or at least like him explaining it somehow. Um, during like oh Snoke was a pawn in the whole thing and it's like okay so the Snokes that are in that tank are they also like sentient like do they have a mind or were you the mind of Palpatine and he was just a puppet like I still don't know mm-hmm. that like that was never explained and that's the one thing that I really didn't like about this whole trilogy was Snoke it's just what was the point you know like yeah. you yeah. could have made Palpatine this entire time he had destined for bigger things but then Ryan Johnson happened, so. Right, and, like, I get it's... Palpatine was, like, in a body that was decaying and it wasn't in a, any state to, you know, be ruling over a galaxy or telling people what to do, that, you know, he had to kind of find a way to rejuvenate his body, which he did, but... It, it's, yeah, it's already disappointing when you have the movie that is, like, the trilogy that is kind of wasting characters, um, like, the Knights of Ren and Phasma, but then it's it's like it feels like a blow, an even heavier blow when you realize that Snoke basically contributed as much as Phasma and the Knights of Ren. Mm-hmm. 
because like nothing happens with any of those characters. They're pretty much all the Boba Fett treatment, which is sad. So sad. Yeah, and well, and and it, that's the other thing, right? Is like with Boba Fett, it's like, well, he was always supposed to be a, a tertiary character. He wasn't even, you know, and in limelight at he, all. Yeah, exactly. And it's, so it's just a happy accident, and that's why everyone's like, oh yeah, Boba Fett didn't do anything, but he's still cool. But then you go like, oh man. Then when 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 the advertisements are going, oh man, Captain Phasma, such a cool character, brings so much to the story. Guys, the Knights of Ren in this episode, they're gonna do so much, and it's gonna finally reveal what what they were doing this whole time. And it's like, so they were standing on a cliff, and then they took Chewbacca captive, and then they died. Yeah. <laughs> the oh, end. It's basically the Han Solo, like they they took Chewie, like they take Han, and then mm. they fight at the end of the movie, and at the end of the movie, they go down in a pit. Sarlacc yeah. pit, or, you know, they just die in this pit of the Sith. Um, speaking of Phasma, uh, Phasma does get mentioned in this book, and they were talking about Phasma's uh, new replacement. Uh, it was a female officer, and uh, basically Phasma's death made such a huge impact on the First Order, apparently, <laughs> that her death led to a, her, a huge surge of doubling of the recruitments. So they were pulling ah. from, from planets near the Unknown Regions. Um, okay. So that's kind of where all that staffing came from, I guess. Uh, and it's just like, okay, moving on from that. There's just a so quick little thing I, with Phasma. So it's an upturn of recruitment. So you're conscripting, because it's only a year between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker, right? Yeah. Yes. Or supposed to be that. So this, wait a minute i saw are you telling me that all the people who were dying on those star destroyers were conscripts <laughs> uh i like i don't know man there's a lot there's a lot <laughs> it's just there's just there's so much Ugh. let's go yeah. through like let's do a lightning round right now and i'll go through all this and then we kind of make comments at the end how does that sound sure all right <laughs> Uh, so the next thing is about Kylo Ren and just kind of, or more Ben Solo, but when um, Chewie's captured by the Knights of Ren, uh, Kylo mm. actually gets to interrogate him and uh, basically gets thrown into a forced vision of when he was young um, and playing with Chewie. Uh, he was playing like with blasters or something like that and just like not real blasters, like hand blasters, like uh, finger blasters, I guess, and just pretending to mm. like, you know, shoot each other. Um, and then the other thing was Lando turns on his like hollow recorder and it shows a scene that was recorded of Ben riding on Chewie's shoulders. So just kind of some nice little, um, like, old young Ben kind of um, moments that you get to see to kind of humanize him a little bit more. The next thing is Hux. Um, when he gets killed, like, he, walking up to uh, the um, General Pride or whatever, Commander Pride or whatever, uh, Hux is like, oh, you know, like, I have the bandage around my leg and, like, blood's coming through a little bit so it looks like it's you know, like really bad wound and like all this stuff and then like pride guns him down and like in the last few moments of his of his mind when he's dying he basically just like hates ray the most he's like i don't even like the worst thing that's happened is is the scavenger she ruined everything is his words and so hmm. apparently that's his thought process even though in the movie he's like i don't care who wins i just want ren to lose you know like it's just, I guess there was some underlying tone that wasn't revealed in the movie, but was in the novelization. Maybe he just wants Kylo to love him. <laughs> <laughs> Get over here, Ren. Um, so Leia's death, on a little bit more of a somber note, uh, I've said this before, but Luke keeps on prompting her to do what needs to be done and to like basically turn Ben in whatever way she did in the, in the movie. 
Um, as she passes away, she does sense R2-D2 sadness as she passes away, hinting at like a R2-D2's like sentience, I guess, as a droid, which is interesting. Um, the one thing that I found really interesting, it kind of retcons Rey being like, Rey Skywalker at the end of the movie, is that while she's reaching out to Ben, she's reaching out to like everybody, like Rey, and that's how kind of Rey knows that she, she passes and stuff like that, Poe and, and Ben is that she, as she's, like, doing this whole force projection in her mind type thing to get to everybody, um, she basically says that Rey is inheriting, like, she wants to give the name Skywalker to Rey, she wants to give the name Organa to Poe, and she wants to give the name Solo to Ben. And I thought that really meant a lot, like, in, in, a, in a certain way where, like, yeah, Poe is basically the new Organa of this trilogy. Yeah. like like he has to like yeah he has to be the politician and the commander in 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 chief right um whereas yeah. ray is the jedi or the skywalker in this instance and ben is like solo and he kind of inherits oh, the i don't know but i thought i thought ben was going to be the skywalker i mean yeah, technically i thought that's the whole thing that i was alluding to that he was the last skywalker it, but it's up for interpretation. Who is, who is the last Skywalker? I don't get it. Who is who's the last Skywalker? Yes. Was it Leia? Was it Ben? Or is it Ray? <laughs> who's like now, like just like we're just using our fake names now, right? Like, yeah, like right. so. I don't know. It just it was it was interesting. I also agree with you guys. It's kind of ridiculous, but I thought it was a sweet sentiment from from Leia she saying is. like she wants to pass on what she has done with her life and the three names that she had. To the people of the next generation. <laughs> wait, wait, wait a minute. Does that mean that Finn's Chewbacca? No, Finn doesn't get him. <laughs> no, he's just gone back to no! Africa. <laughs> As if John Boyega wasn't done enough. Yeah, at yeah, the end, right. man, he really, he really let it out. Um, the next thing is Exegol's cameos. So on the Battle of Exegol, all those uh, starfighters and ships that come out of hyperspace at the end of the movie. Um, in the audiobook novelization, they do uh, like call signs of everybody. And so you get the Mon Calamari fleet, Phantom Squadron, which I don't know who that is. I don't remember. Uh, the Ghost, so you get like Hera. Idodine, um, mm-hmm. 2. I don't know where that is from. I haven't heard that one t- before. Alphabet 2 is obviously from the Alphabet books. Um, <laughs> Iden Versio's daughter Zay from Inferno Squadron. They kind of reference. Uh, she just says like uh, Zay from Inferno Squad here um, Kazuda in the fireball is like hey guys what's going on this is crazy right and then you oh, hear shit. another voice and it's like Kaz hold your shit together and it's basically Yeager and his <laughs> his fighter uh, I thought that like the Yeager part was pretty funny and then it is also confirmed that the Tanta V4 which is the, the Corellian vessel that you saw at the um, Agent Claus is where the resistance base is um, they're repairing mm-hmm. it, and then they get it done right before the battle starts to happen. Yeah. And Nia Nub is the one flying that. Um, and in the battle, yeah, and, it goes down. Well, and, okay. And basically, they, it confirms in the book that he sacrifices himself during this battle to to help win it. Um, and Poe kind of reflects on that quickly about you know losing somebody that he's known since he was a kid. Um, so that was kind of just the the interesting cameos that they had. And I, I really enjoyed the ghost and some of them, but I mean, the one thing that I can't get over is like how, how little of an impact star Wars resistance had on star Wars as a whole. Mm-hmm. And yeah. like, 
all for this little tiny cameo that wasn't even in the movie, but in the novelization. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, mm. there wasn't much of a difference in in the story at all. Because they don't even reference, like, the Fuel Depot in Episode Nine, The Colossus, right? Like, it's not even brought in at all. Not even in the novelization. Because that was a big thing. It's like, the Resistance can use this, you know, Fuel Depot for refueling and stuff like that. But it's like, never comes up. But... Mm. Um, you want me to touching any... on Poe real quick though? Um, does it click like novel? Does the novelized version still say that he he was a uh, spice smug- smuggler? Yes, it does. Yeah, it goes into the little bit of backstory with uh, him and um, that really doesn't make Bliss. sense because Poe had his own novelization right after Force Awakens, um, where his mother and father were both both rebels. Yeah, and that he was mm. and that makes zero sense that he grew up as a pilot for the for the uh, republic and then all of a sudden now he like when when at what point did he leave the rebellion if ever because like in the in the in his novelization of his backstory leia recruits him from from the republic to join the resistance because Mm -hmm. no one is listening to her um Mm -hmm. not at, at none no point in my recollection was he ever going to that stereotypical Hispanic character as I'm a drug dealer. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. Um, but uh, the one thing that I would say is that, yeah, they went into the novel or the, the backstory, a little bit of Poe during the force awakens when they had the, the one comic series that basically is following like Poe's parents. And at the yeah. end, it's like, you see them and they're like, okay, let's have a baby. And then they're on Endor, And then it kind of closes the curtains on that. Um, but basically like, it's like introduction. There, there might have been a book as well, but um, yeah, it's it's mentioned in that as well. But there's a huge gap of time between when he was born and when he was with the New Republic as a as a pilot, because yeah, you're right. Like even in the Resistance, he's in the Resistance, and he says he was recruited by Leia from the New Republic fleet. But yeah, I don't know. They really haven't opened the doors on his backstory too much, and even like even in all the books they've come out with and all the stories like that's a big loophole that it's just like okay let's just make him that spice smuggler sure let's do it i mean i mean to be fair these movies haven't expanded on any character's backstory the movies themselves no yeah like absolutely nothing i think they ever did really yeah well like that's one of the things that that blew my mind in episode eight um with finn where it's like, sorry, so we needed a side story so the engineer can explain to the child soldier that war is bad. <laughs> and then Finn reacts like, oh my god, that's the first... I didn't know that. And I'm like, you, you, mm, one of you is a child soldier. Yeah. <laughs> one of you grew up knowing war is bad because it's the only option you've ever had. That's why you rebelled in the first movie. But no, I mean, like, there's so many retcons all over the place. One of the ones that, that really ticked me off um re-watching rise of skywalker is there's the line when when poe's saying the palpatine's alive and everyone's like oh my god how did how did how could this happen and i don't know the actual character's name but dominic monaghan um he's he's like oh well sith sorcery cloning only secrets that the Ooh. sith knew and i was like there you go. There we got it. <laughs> yeah wait a minute <laughs> there was a, a little war called a clone wars that happened do you for did Mary just kind of forget that that was a thing? Like, what do you mean cloning is only something that that the Sith can can do? That's <laughs> they actually bring Dominic Monaghan's character up a little bit in the book, 
Um, this is a small part where, like, at the beginning when Ray's doing her training and stuff, uh, he's looking through the books because there's some, like, ancient, like, Jedi writing and stuff in there that he's translating. Um, but there's also the writing that Luke has in there. You can, like, it, they said, like, he could tell and Ray could tell that it was in Luke's, like, handwriting. Um, but it was in coded words. So, like, he okay. made his own, like, um, uh, crypto kind of language that basically they had to decipher. And that was basically the mission of Dominic Monaghan the entire time was just, like, making that sense of all that stuff. So that was kind of his base of the character. Like, how do they read the book? Oh, it's because of him. But uh... The fact that paper exists really bugs me because that was the whole point of George Lucas is that there was no paper. Well, this is like ancient like, no High Republic oh, yeah. stuff right here. It's actually really ancient. But the fact that like he's writing and like there's like all this stuff and I'm like, you know what? Fine, fine, fine. This is like, <laughs> like biblical times because... There was no paper. Like even in Old Republic, thousands and thousands of years, they had yeah. data paths. It's not the Old Republic; but... it's the High Republic. <laughs> well, hey, it's Old, old Republic <laughs> then High Republic. Yeah, yeah high technically. Republic is, like, still, like yeah. between Old Republic and New and Republic, people are just not like. There's not enough novelization. I'm kind of looking forward to it because it's going to be kind of like a western. But mm-hmm. yeah, still, I like... want to see a bit more of this, to be honest. Uh, the next thing yeah. on the docket here is that Finn's force sensitivity is brought up a few times. Um, it kind of alludes to it a bit. And in the final in, battle, in, yeah, it alludes to him knowing where that signal is going. He's just a feeling that it's up on that ship. <laughs> and so that's kind of yeah. the last kind of instance of like him and his force sensitivity. I, I feel like they did a really good job in the movie about it because you didn't really get it until you thought about it. Like I remember Noma, Ed, and I we all went to like a, a bar afterwards and we were talking about it and we're like, what the hell was Finn trying to say to Ray the entire movie? Cause they never explained it. And then I'm thinking back See, and thinking back, I'm like, you know what? What if you wanted to tell her that she was force sensitive? And then we're all like, Oh my God, that has to be it. You know? And, uh, so, yeah, I think he was force sensitive cause that he mm-hmm. could sense that and stuff. I'm just like, okay. Yeah. That's an interesting story. And I guess um, that could lead if if they did cons- decide to continue this, like this plot, that makes sense. But I don't. Th- I think John Boyega and honestly, um, uh, and o- Oscar Isaac are done. I feel like they're sick of this. Oh yeah, I, th- I think so too. And like, and like that's the thing. I also think that yeah, that could make sense. But my problem is the way that they present it in the movie. Outside of the first time. Um, it, it doesn't make sense because the fact that Finn is so hesitant afterwards, right? Like they fall on the thing and she's like, oh, what were you going to say? And he refuses to say it. And it's like, well, it, now, you're in a cave now. It's not going to matter whether or not you just say, I think I'm forcing it. Like, what does that change? I don't understand why that during then and then during the execution, he's so adamant against telling anyone about this. Yeah, I don't know why. It just, it, it's, yeah, it's presented more as a, I have a, like, I love you. Yeah, that's what oh, we yeah, thought at first. That's what we all thought at first. And I'm so like, it can't be that. I'm just like, mm. like, what the, what was like? And then like at the convention, you remember he was just like, J.J. Uh, 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 Abrams is like, the best thing Ryan Johnson did for me was creating, was giving us Rose. I'm just like, and then he just really, <laughs> he gave her like two scenes. Yeah. yeah. And like in the, in the book, they even talk about like, uh, or not in this book, the Rise of the Resistance book, they talk about how like Finn and Rose's relationship is just like a like a platonic friendship and like what happened on crate was basically oh, yeah, just like in the heat of the battle and it was just like oh yeah all right <laughs> well that, 
Well, yeah, so the, 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 it, it kind of leads us towards thinking like, oh, he and Ray are still are back to like he's back to loving Ray again. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, just like okay, I, I guess that's a thing. But you you bring up a good point too, and and it's 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 one of the reasons that I just I found Rise of Skywalker so funny, is just all of of J.J. Abrams just going out of his way to destroy everything Ryan Johnson set up in Episode Eight. Like you've got oh well, well he smashed the helmet because it's dumb, but what if I remade it? Um, oh yeah, like Rose and Finn, Rose we can just put her on the back burner now, and it's just like oh I, I don't throw away a Jedi's weapon. And oh, I was wrong to to come and and run away to Ireland or whatever the planet's the actual Octo. planet's name is, <laughs> yeah. And hey, it's not that Luke couldn't leave on the X wing because it was broken because it was underwater because it actually works perfectly, and it's what? just like all like like thing after thing. And I was watching this, being like, this is amazing. He's <laughs> oh, and then my my other my favorite one is the oh the hold on maneuver is a one in a million thing. It's like oh okay. Because someone, someone, I was watching a video where someone pointed this out, where if it was a one in a million thing, then it makes it sound like Holdo was actually just trying to run away, and she got unlucky and destroyed the supremacy. Yeah. And it's just like, like man, oh man, we're we're cutting real deep here to try and and get rid of everything in the Last Jedi. I think this, I think the trilogy, the thing it suffered from the most was the lack of planning over an arc, like an overarching story. Mm. and like the the segmented storytelling that it had that's the one thing it really does suffer from like from everything we've all talked about so far is just that it doesn't really have that continuity that we really do love about star wars i i mean i do um between you know episode one two three four five six it just Mm. needs to be a, a logical story progression and there's a lot in the movies, like you said like that didn't don't add up and someone had to fix something and it kind of changes the story a lot you know like the fact that they didn't bring Palpatine up until the last movie, I mean, like, it just, it doesn't make sense, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, moving on, talking about Palpatine, the Knights of Ren, uh, they apparently the entire time were always loyal to Palpatine. That's another point um, that is kind of said in here. Um, The last thing that I got from the novelization was this. Rey's lightsaber. We were all furious about, oh, it wasn't like a staff or anything like that. So basically, a few things that... So basically <laughs> what happens is um, the book that Dominic Monaghan is like translating. We don't even know his name. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, we have no idea. No, that's, that's not, that's not our fault. But... No, it's not. It just, it just, it's so hard to remember. But um, basically those books it. helped Ray understand how to repair the Kyber crystal that was in Luke's lightsaber. And then that was able to help her reconstruct the lightsaber, um, which cool. is how she started to create her own lightsaber. Um, at the beginning of the movie, which is what it's in the novelization. Mm. So, like, in that scene where she's talking to Leia and all that stuff, I think it's right after that, right before she goes to the Falcon, um, she's talking in her mind about, like, just thinking about stuff. And one of the things was, oh, you know, she really is excited to get this lightsaber finished that she's been working on because, um, you know, it, it's using parts of her, her staff that she had, and she's really excited yeah, to, to get it. Now, it literally is the tip of her staff. Right. About how like you said that it was part of Luke's like crystal? No, 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 no. So it doesn't talk about where she got her crystal from, but it talks about that. Yeah, like that she repaired she repaired Luke's lightsaber, um, and the way she was able to do that was repairing the Kyber crystal and then reassembling it and putting that little black um, like leather thing around it to hold it together. That was due to the the texts that she was reading, and that it also had the mm-hmm. information 
like as she rebuilt the lightsaber, she kind of figured out how to do it herself um, uh... to make her own. So then she does that. But as she's talking, like thinking about what she wants to do with her lightsaber, she's like, right now it's this like little, you know, like one two-handed lightsaber that um, is like a normal lightsaber hilt um, that reflects kind of her backstory with her staff and scavenging and stuff like that. But she says, like, I really have this idea in my head that I want to make it like a pull arm, like a, a, a saber staff that can like fold in half. And then when it comes up to the part with Dark Ray, where like her lightsaber literally is folding in half and stuff like that, when it describes Dark Ray and her lightsaber, she she sees that and she's like, that's exactly what I had in like the same style of lightsaber that I had in my mind. So that's kind of like the, the forced vision that she has to kind of confront at that time kind of reflected in what she wanted a lightsaber kind of to function like and to see like mm. um which by the way um if you want dark rays lightsaber click that link i'll put it in the description below in the podcast but it's fifteen hundred and ninety nine dollars and ninety nine cents it is it is from a, a company called chronicle collectibles 750 pieces limited edition and it is a one-to-one prop replica that does fold in half and you can have it on your stand for only sixteen hundred dollars, United States. But is it combat ready? That's the question. Absolutely yeah, exactly. not. <laughs> but for those hardcore fans out there, you can buy it for sixteen hundred dollars. So yeah, that is basically so, all the things that I remembered from the novelization. Um, that really kind of just like either helped me enjoy the story more, or just kind of were just plot points that I would had questions about. Um, mm. but yeah, that's kind of the, the gist of all the, the novelization points. So, so the, the one thing I'm hearing is that it, the novelization does not explain the one plot point that infuriated me in that movie more than anything else. Um, which is the map dagger because, oh my God, when they get to whichever world it is that the death stars pieces are on. And she pulls out the map. Oh, it does. Hilt thing yes, of... it does. Oh, it does? Yes. So, so... It's, is it slightly less stupid than what it seemed like they were showing in the movie? Yes. So basically what it says is the guy, I can't remember the guy's name, the alien dude that's dead that they find the dagger on. But basically. Mama. Yeah. Mm. So basically like when she picks up the dagger, she has like this force psychometry thing that like um, Quinlan Voss does where like she can tell like what happened with his dagger. Oh, of course. Okay. Um, yeah. And so like that kind of confirms a lot for her. Um, the other thing was that, um, he mm. modifies the hilt cause he finds out where the, um, where the, uh, Sith wayfinder is this guy, this Sith, like uh, collector of stuff. So he finds out where mm-hmm. the thing is and he, he's been to the planet before. So he's modified the dagger to do that. And then he's on the run from Lando and Luke. So then he gets taken to like, he makes it to Pasana and that's where he dies. So he never actually made it back to where the place was that he has modified the dagger to show where it is exactly that he's found. Um, so basically, it's it's basi- like the thing that gets pulled out is something that I think his name's Ochi find like makes and puts into the dagger to to do that because that was confusing. Like you said, Noma, mm-hmm. like is it an ancient Sith dagger that yeah. they apparently knew exactly the measurements of what's going to happen on the you know Death Star like thousands of years later? Like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, I still that makes sense for the movie, but I, yeah, but I, I still question why he didn't just take the wayfinder. Well, he couldn't because he couldn't get into that door. 
right? Because it was oh, it was, was open it was open because of Ray having a biological lineage to Palpatine, which I think was that in the Why movie. Why did it open for Kylo then? It it didn't. The door that oh, she goes the Bob, through. The, the door that she goes through to get the Wayfinder, like basically it opens and it in the movie it's like is it be like is like some sort of identification thing that allowed her to go into the room oh like a scan so it's all... that, that leads into the question though could kylo have gotten it no he couldn't that's why he went for vader's i guess hmm. uh... right because vader's was readily available that he could get so so okay i couldn't have picked this harder because that means it's a biological scanner that you don't need to touch because I'm pretty sure that door opens without her actually. Yeah, it's it. like it's like a scanning system. I I don't know, man. I don't make so the, the rules. I just I just I don't, I don't make the I don't make the book. I just I just rehash it. Yeah, that's fair. And uh, like that's what we were saying before the podcast started. Where it's like this novel, like it's great that it explains all these things, but it feels like it's patch notes for a movie. It's exactly like, what it feels like. Yeah, like I wish yeah. they would have kept so much of this stuff in it, or at least released an extended cut version on the blu-ray um with you know these like extra scenes in there because i feel like even if it was like you could watch the normal version or you could watch the extended cut that didn't have all the, the it just had previs and audio stuff like i would watch or even that just the concept art i'll take the concept mm-hmm. art in the notes well that that's point. that's in like the rise of skywalker art book i guess but like yeah you know like you have to buy that to understand what happened. And that, like we were talking on the last pod, like a few podcasts ago where, you know, we're in an era now where you really have to, if you want to know what happens in a movie, you really do have to purchase and read a lot of material to kind of get that understanding, right? Like they really do push the multimedia storytelling in star Wars to a point where it's like some things in the movies or a lot of things don't make sense until you actually purchase some other stuff to understand it a little bit more. You know what I mean? Yeah, but that seems... But it's been coming yeah. more... Like, they've been really capitalizing it on recently. Right. Mm-hmm. Before, it was it... like we had no choice because, like, the, after the original trilogy ended, like, we like were, like, we were so desperate for more that we retconned whatever we could get our hands on and then the prequel trilogy and then mm-hmm. whatnot. I mean, even then, like, we were still doing all this multimedia. But now I feel like, they, like they're counting on it too much exactly um any last points from anybody on the podcast about thoughts on the rise of skywalker um i guess we could do ratings out of 10 um since this is our first movie this will be our first rating for movies um but if you guys want to uh if you have any points to make and then i have a few things you want to say and then we can just get into the rating and round it off hmm I mean, I just kind of want to end this on a positive note because, like, Star Wars is such a positive thing for so many people, and I'm, I feel like we kind of tore this movie apart. I feel the same way, and I feel really bad about it. I don't want to do all of this over and say it was amazing because there were so many good things. Like, we should probably end up on a positive note. Or, like, oh, for sure. But, I mean, overall, I mean, visually stunning. Um, really cool seeing some things, the new stuff and like old stuff kind of rehashed together. Yes, there was a lot of bad, like really bad writing moments and or just like sloppy, like rehashing things. But I mean, um, it does give me a kind of hope for like there to be more Star Wars because they are, they said that there went beyond the fact that they said there's like we have enough Star Wars and the things coming out for the next decade. That's fine. But, um, 
even the way the movie ended still kind of gives me like a shroud. Like I think they left it open for more and which gives me hope. Yeah. Cause I think how it, like even like how all the previous movies ended, like they all, they, they were like, this is it. This is what you're going to get. We don't plan on doing anything more. And then they, we always would get something, but and that's like, what Star Wars, kinda solid. Star Wars is all, all about is hope. Right. So hopefully exactly. we do get, we do get something that really blows this out of the water in a, in a good way. Um, in terms of storytelling, you know, like you said, the visuals of this movie are amazing. There are points in this movie that I really enjoyed, like Palpatine going like full on lightning. Um, the part with Leia being a Jedi for a little bit with her lightsaber, and the the fact that Ray and, and Ben both used both lightsabers. Um, just like small things that really made a difference for me are a lot of the visual cues, like especially the part when Exegol start the big battle of Exegol starts and all the ships come through. Um, that's a, a big thing that I really enjoyed just seeing all the ships. Like I have yet to turn on the 4k Blu-ray on my TV and pause it on that and just like look at each individual ship. Yeah, I'm sure it's stunning. I definitely want to do the that. The with me moment was pretty cool too. When she reaches out and becomes the, the, like embodies the Jedi. Yeah. The and all the Jedi, the Jedi are talking I, to her. That is pretty cool. And then we got to hear what like uh, Alan's voice and like, and Ahsoka Kanan. and, yeah, exactly. Everybody. I mean, that was pretty cool. Um, the other so thing, I'm like, that leads me to the fact, like, is Ahsoka dead? Because I thought she was alive. But right. We'll get back to that. Uh, the other thing I wanted to point out was something that I, I forgot to talk about during the actual um, discussion of the movie was the fact that one of my favorite characters in the sequel trilogy is dead. <laughs> His name is Snap Wexley. And God <laughs> damn, he went down in a fireball of a, like he, he was driving his x-wing he gets shot pose like the world is ending we're all screwed and then the entire fleet comes <laughs> through and everything's okay and i'm just like why even kill snap wexley he was an awesome character in the comic books he's so witty so good he is initially in um the the novels for aftermath aftermath all the aftermath trilogy mm-hmm. stuff as a little kid and it's just like that that whole build up with him in all the the other canon material that I read, I really invested a lot into Snap Wexley, and I I don't know, I just felt like I was robbed of of that character, and it, I felt the I same know. way with Jessica Pava. When, oh yeah, um, and I felt the same way. Interesting, like that she immediately died. Yeah, because like, she like she mm. was a pretty good character. Yeah, and that's the thing like, is all, just... the entire theme. There's a lot of characters that I wish you get more of. Like, even in episode 8, there was a character, um, Tally Lintra, in the A-Wing. I play as her all the time in Battlefront 2. And I love that character from Battlefront 2. And in episode 8, you see her in the A-Wing for, like, five minutes, and then she explodes. <laughs> and you're like, what? what? Why introduce her? Why make her a character if she's just going to explode five minutes later, you know? Well, the, I mean, that's Last Jedi, though. That's like asking, why kill Admiral Akbar off screen? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Ed, do you have any final thoughts on the rise of Skywalker? Yeah. Um, honestly, to tie all three of them into something, you could say this would be the one where I would just I would watch on the rainy day still. Because uh, I don't hate it. And despite all the negative stuff and everything like before, I'm not going to go full one and be like, oh, but we'll hope for anything. It's like, no, you know what? If this is what it takes, let this just stop here and then, you know, work with a bunch of fan content. All the things that we post from on YouTube and stuff like that, for those short little movies, like there was the one about Maul, 
right? That short 20-minute little clip or whatever. They oh, have a yeah. few hater series coming up. Like, fans and people have good ideas still. So if they mm-hmm. have to branch out at this point, be like, you know what, we can't keep it in-house because our ideas are good against nowhere and they're too convoluted. Mm-hmm. This might be time to reach back to Legends people and start talking about something there. And then, you know, the High Republic might be the start of that. Or I, I'm excited That's for the High Republic. I'm so, excited for Public, yeah. That and um, Thrawn. So whatever happens to Thrawn and Ezra. Yeah, so there are definitely things to look forward to. So I would say, on that note, I, I'm leaving this at like a, you know, I'd watch it again, but like maybe once every once in a long while kind of thing. <laughs> Noma, what do you a think? A number I couldn't really get. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, uh, uh... Yeah, I mean, positive notes like like everyone's been saying. Like it's it's a movie I would watch again. Um, yeah, probably after a while. But um, yeah, I mean, I I hope that that with this trilogy now, like you guys were saying, I'm also excited for High Republic. I hope that does well. I'm curious to see what what the big enemy they're going to bring in for that is. Um, and I'm, I just hope that like we were talking about earlier that like like how the DCEU nowadays is slowly starting to realize that they need to put effort into their content to actually get a good return on it. Um, and, you know, have people who know the stuff really well and all that kind of stuff. I'm hoping that with Disney and, you know, with the success of Mandalorian and showing that people who know their stuff will deliver good content, that Disney starts to go down that kind of a path. And yeah. I mean, they're, you know, they're not a dumb company, right? They're, they know once they realize what people want, they'll start doing that just like what they've done with, with Marvel and its Rocky phase. Um, not that I'm going to name any uh, Thor 2 names there, but, uh, you know, it, it, it'll take some time, and hopefully it'll... I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do now. So, All yeah. right. Any any uh, ratings? Uh, Vanessa, do you want to go first? Um, Five out of ten. Didn't hate it, didn't love it. Interesting. All right. Lower than I thought you'd give it. Ed? Yeah, wow, that was actually a surprise. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> I, just, I probably would give it a six in hindsight. Um six out of ten. Okay. But I I for the I just I just I'm kinda numb to it at this point. Mm. I don't know. Don't hate it, don't love it. Yeah, I'm right there with the five as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same boat. <laughs> yeah, five out of ten was exactly what I was gonna say as well. Man, the end of the Skywalker saga and like all that, I would say like with everything in in on this movie, I would give it a seven out of ten. Okay. As we, but as we know here, I'm the optimist of the podcast. I like to look on the bright side yeah. of stuff. <laughs> there are things in this movie that I really did enjoy, and there are things that I really didn't. Um, as we talked about in this podcast, but. Overall, I enjoyed the movie. It was a fun watch, especially for the first time through it. I had a lot of questions uh, walking out of the theater. Um, I think the one thing that really got to me right after watching it was that I didn't feel anything like excited or um, happy or sad or anything like that. I just felt confused. Yeah. And that was Martin, the yeah. first time I watched a Star Wars movie in theaters where I came out of the theater and it was just, I had more questions than anything else. And it was just like, where did the fleet come from? Where did Palpatine come from? What happened? And all these questions got mostly answered in the um, the novelization, which was nice. Um, but at the same time, we shouldn't have to watch a novel or read a novelization or listen to a novelization to understand what happens in a film. Mm-hmm. I agree. But 
you know, it is what it is. We're grateful that for what we, we for Star Wars and for the universe and what everything that brings us together. And um, you know what? I mean, there's a lot of people that really love this movie, and there's some really really great parts to it. And I think over time, um, just like considering, like I mean, just looking at, I mean, I love, I love, love, love um, uh, Return of the Jedi. I mean, conceptually, it's not the oh, yeah. best. Them. I mean, come on! How can like, these little teddy bears take out an entire imperial? Oh, army? oh, oh! I totally forgot. They talk about Wicked in this in the novelization at the end. Oh, Wicked! Oh, okay. oh, they bring Wicked back, and Wicked, he's he's older, and he has less like vibrant fur, but he also has a child, <laughs> and he's talking about um, the fact that uh, I think there's a star destroyer above Endor or something with the like the big cannon on it, and it explodes Ooh. or something happens, and uh, the little baby um, Ewok was like, "Dad, is that because of the gold one?" <laughs> and then he's like, "Yes, I'm sure. I'm sure it is." <laughs> and they they talk about like it must have been like Princess Leia. And then they the little kid's like, "Is it Princess Leia?" And he's like, "Yeah. It, is it the gold one too?" Yes, I'm sure it was the gold one. <laughs> it was like referencing C three PO. It's like yeah. the best ending to the to the novelization. Man, it was so good. Oh, good. I mean. Just like my point is that like not every Star Wars movie is great. I mean, we have our Phantom Menaces. I mean, and everybody loves them and hates them differently. Um, Star Wars is kind of take it what you, you it is. I'm sure that this movie will be exalted in the future. We might have really good ones in the future. We might have really bad ones in the future. We might not get any in the future. Who knows? I think it's just we kind of take what we get, and we might kind of throw fits about it and scrutinize it but in the end it's star wars it's what we love we'll we'll uh, much as i hate to say it we'll take whatever we can get um <laughs> and kind of run with it from there because there's always what fan fiction there's always retconning there's always like kind of doing fix it or whatever you want to call it we'll make it what we want it to be i mean that's what that's what we do <laughs> and everyone finds something in star wars i think the really big thing that really got to me too was the the movie itself was probably someone's first Star Wars movie and the impact it might have had on them. They really didn't... Um, like, if it's your first Star Wars movie, I'm sure like the person who's watching it really doesn't understand the, the nuances of it and, like, who Palpatine is. And, like, it might have been a good first film for them, even though it's the end of, you know, a nine-movie saga. Um, I don't know. I feel like the fact that, you know, every piece of Star Wars is someone's first piece of Star Wars... Um, really kind of talks to, you know, how people can get into a franchise like this. Yeah. I mean, if you look at it that way, probably Last Je- uh, um, The Last Jedi was probably a great first Star Wars movie for a lot of people because it just <laughs> didn't really bring into a lot of what we knew in Sorry, like, the past, I'm... which is true, which I kind of admired Ryan about. Like, cause, like, he brought something completely new to the table. Was it necessarily the best kind of new? Ah. Like it's it was a movie as it was fine, but then to the whole plot, no. But um, again, take it what you we we take what we get, and there's some really great parts to it, and we'll have really good what art and and fiction and cosplay and discussions. I mean, look, I mean, we, look how r- low we gave the ratings, and yet we what we've had what two hours of discussion and we'll probably could keep going if oh, we wanted sure. to 
at this point, like we're gonna have to call it call it because what someone what which one of you has to go? Like it was that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. I guess on, on that note, um I guess we can head out to the outro. Yeah. Ed, do you wanna take out the outro for us? Yeah, sorry. It just started hailing like crazy. Oh wow. Uh, oh yeah. Canada. Did that happened around Twitter. Oh yeah. yeah oh, meanwhile, here in Florida, it's like a nice balmy seventy degrees. Nice. <laughs> so, so yeah, I'm gonna try to do this quickly, and then I gotta run. Yeah, man. Yeah. I got to work, and I gotta get before this gets worse. If it does. That brings us to the end of this to this discussion. Uh, on our next episode of Temple Archives, we'll be doing a comic, Canaan Volume One, the last title line. We've been wanting to do this one for a while as well, haven't we? Oh yeah. It's gonna be fun. Uh, but if you want to reach us or if you have any comments to make or feedback that you have, you can reach us by email, which is a voice of the force at gmail.com. Once again, that is voiceoftheforce at gmail.com. You can use the subject line T-A-T-R-O-S, so Temple Archives, The Rise of Skywalker. Send us your feedback on the movie, and honestly, anything else that you want. If you were seen anything, you heard any more news, your own take, I guess, is the most neutral way I can say this. But we'd love to hear from you, and we always love hearing from you. So please reach out to us. You can find us on Twitter at VoiceForcePod. Uh, by retweeting our new episode tweets, this helps us with growing our listener base and our community and is very much appreciated. You can use the hashtag T-A-T-R-O-S on Twitter. There's our Facebook page at Facebook.com slash VoiceForcePod as well. And finally, listen, rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Overcast, PocketCast, and Podbean. Reviewing helps with visibility as well. Click the subscribe button on before the latest episode as soon as it releases. It costs nothing. And with that said, guys, I think we can say, may the Force be with you. May the force be with you. So instead of bloopers uh, for this week's after uh, after podcast special, uh, Dan has been asking me to read the notes. I mentioned this earlier in the podcast, but uh, I watched. I ended up watching The Rise of Skywalker very drunk last night and making plot notes uh, just in case we we forgot anything important. 
But uh, yeah, they kind of read like a something between a forced meme and just crazy ramblings, and Dan really wants to hear it. So uh, let me read through the notes of Drunk Noma's reinterpretation of The Rise of Skywalker. Kylo Ren moonwalks across Mustafar to find a pyramid MacGuffin. He uses it to get through the red space to find Palpatine on the new super-secret Sith world, finds a few Star Destroyers underground. Poe flies into an asteroid to get data on not-fulcrum. First Order finds them for reasons, and Poe escapes through sick hyperspace parkour. Meanwhile, Rey does sick force parkour and studies the sacred tech- I mean Luke's journal. The gang reunite and bicker. The data Poe found reveals Palps is alive. Mary forgets that the Clone Wars were a thing. Ray learns about the MacGuffin Pyramid and sets off to Pasara to find it. Rose gets shafted. On Pasara, the group goes through a festival to find information, but Kylo uses the Force to steal a necklace. Then Lando shoots a man in the eye and saves the group. The Knights of Ren are cool. Lando stayed on a planet for 30 years because he couldn't find a dagger. But now he knows where Daggerman's ship is. On the way to that ship, the gang is shocked to learn that they fly now? Then they all fall into a pit, and Finn screams unresolved plot points. Healing a snake gives the group the Dagger MacGuffin. Then Kylo Ren appears and dies in a catastrophic explosion, I mean is completely fine and walks away from it. Rey challenges him to a force-off, but gets too angry and kills Chewie. She totally did, guys. OMG, Chewie's alive. Chewie had the MacGuffin dagger, so that's gone. 3PO memorized it, though, but he's too scared to read Sith, so the gang travels to Kajimi to fix his head. They run into Femme Rocketman, and she leads them to Tiny Tech to fix C-3PO, but fixing him will totally erase his memory. He's definitely never going to get them back, guys. Pinky swear. Also, Poe used to deal drugs. The gang realizes Chewie isn't dead, and Rocket Woman hates Poe so much she gives him a First Order MacGuffin to get on the ship holding Chewie. On the ship, Ray finds the dagger and Chewie's stuff, while Poe and Finn get captured, but Bill Weasley helps them escape because he's new Fulcrum. Kylo finds Ray and reveals she's a Palpatine in a dramatic music reveal, just before she escapes. Then Bill Weasley dies. Palpatine sends the Death Star light to blow up Kajimi. Tiny Tech and Rocket Woman are totally dead. Absolutely no chance they're alive. With the power of two MacGuffins, the gang goes to a planet that the Death Star fell on and decide landings are for chumps, so slam the Falcon into the ground. They meet a group of Space Rohirrim, who are all ex-First Order, who lead them to the wreckage, and Rey uses the Dagger MacGuffin to pull some elaborate map bullshit. How the fuck does the map work like that? Ray ignores the warnings of Rohan and fights Emo Ray to win the Pyramid MacGuffin, but Kylo breaks it. They fight, and Leia gives Ray the upper hand by dying, before his friendship can heal Kylo and bring Ghost Han back to life, which makes Kylo into good Kylo. Ray uses this opportunity to steal Kylo's ship. Ray decides to become a hermit in Ireland and sets Kylo's ship on fire, but the Joker comes out of the fire ship and gives Ray a pep talk. He convinces her to get back to the plot and gives her Leia's lightsaber so she can complete the prophecy she saw. Then he flips Rian the finger by bringing his X-Wing back. Good thing Kylo's Pyramid MacGuffin wasn't destroyed in a catastrophic explosion, followed by a fire. The Resistance gets their fleet ready to go, and everyone heads to Exegol, except Lando, since he's never led a fleet before in a decisive battle, he gets to go find friends. Rey finds Palp 
but she reveals that he wants Rey to kill him so he can combine with her and be the best damn Sith. Kylo uses the Force to turn the Knights of Ren into the new Captain Phasma. In the air, the First Order play space tag with navigation towers, but the Rohirrim land on their Star Destroyer to beat Red Stormtroopers and chaperones even more. Just when the situation looks grim, I guess, Gandalf, I mean Space Lando, appears with every ship MacGuffin possible. Also, every named character from Kajimi is here, because no one but Snap can die in this movie. Kylo and Rey fight Sheev, but he uses the Force to beat the crap out of them. Kylo gets thrown out of the scene, and helps summons a Force Storm for a cool visual. Sheev uses Super Lightning, but Rey counters with two lightsabers, and it's super effective. Palps dies, and he doesn't possess Rey because she dies too. Rey and Kylo play Hot Potato Resurrection, but then Rey kisses Kylo and he calls no touchbacks and dies. Rey goes to visit Beru and Owen's skeletons, and sticks to Anakin by burying his lightsaber in the sand. Some random person asks what her full, complete name is, and the movie ruins everything ever by having Rey state that she's now a Skywalker. The end. <laughs>